0: Amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dave Jacobson, one of the pastors here, and we're gonna dig into God's word together. So hopefully you brought a Bible. Uh, you can pull that out now, love for you to see that. If you didn't bring a Bible, I am so excited to tell you that there are Bibles under the seat somewhere in front of you. Um, if you've been coming for a while and you've never heard us say that, that's because uh, when all this uh, you know, COVID started and we kind of you know, tried to make it as touchless as possible, well, uh, this week, the CDC updated some of their Surface Guide, Headlines, and they kind of admitted that we didn't necessarily need to be washing our groceries and quarantining our mail and doing all of that stuff that we've been doing for you know a while. Um, we didn't we didn't wash our groceries very long, but I do we did a couple times, and that was. That, I'm glad that didn't last that long, um, but they uh, they said that you know surfaces are okay and uh, that's actually very little chance. Um, I think one in ten thousand of transmission through that. So you know the first thing I did when that happened is I'm like we're putting Bibles back under the seats. Then what do we do? And those need to come out. And so if you do not have a Bible, you can grab one. Um, if you don't own a Bible, you can take that home with us. That's uh, with you. That is our gift to you. We would love for you to um, do that. As you're turning there, we're going to be in First Thessalonians, continuing in our our series. In uh, the book of uh, First Thessalonians, called Living Hope, um, that's where we're uh, going this morning. And um, you know, this uh, this week, um, as you're turning there, my uh, kids and I we had a little bit of an adventure. Um, we own um, this uh, stunt kite that we've had for quite a while. Um, little known fact about me: I actually really love kites. Um, I don't know if there's anyone else that shares that love, but I just think they're super cool. When I was a kid, I tried to make one, and uh, growing up, we always had like some fun kites. And so I have this kite. It's kind of a stunt kite. If you've never flown a stunt kite, there's like two strings, and you can control it and kind of fly it all over the place, and it's really fun. Um, if you've ever flown a two-string kite, you'll never want to go back to a one-string kite. It becomes very boring to just sit there and just hold the string. Um, and so I wanted to introduce my kids, but I was too afraid that they're going to like break this one that we have, because it's got this frame. And um, on the beach, it's okay, but you know, around here there's not really a good spot to fly that. So I found this frameless one and we picked it up last week and we were so excited to fly it. Um, except uh, this week there really wasn't that much wind. When there was, it was raining. And so finally on Saturday afternoon, we're like, you know what, I think there's maybe enough wind, like maybe. Um, I think it was kind of wishful thinking. We were looking out and thought we saw like some leaves kind of fluttering, you know, those little, the buds are starting to open up. We could kind of see, you know, some of the, the trees kind of moving. We're like, oh, let's go to the park. Let's try it. So we loaded up, got everyone in there, everybody, and uh, went to the park. And um, they're really, as we were unpacking it, I told the kids, I said, listen, guys, I think we're going to give this a try, but I don't think this is going to work too well, um, See, one of the things you need when you're flying a kite is you need wind, um, and you need like, the more of it, the better. Like, this, this kite can go up to like 25 miles an hour, so some serious winds. You can be out there kind of flying, flying this thing, and so sure enough, we got it up, and it was not really going. So what our afternoon consisted of, we weren't going to let that stop us, is we would kind of throw it up, and then the kids would sort of like run backwards, and you know, you'd have to like coach them. You're like, look out for the picnic table, like look out, you know, like, so they're like running backwards, and we're trying to keep this thing in the air, and some Surprisingly, we actually had quite a bit of fun with that for close to an hour of just doing that. But afterwards, I said, listen, guys, I said, how was it? They're like, that was awesome. I was like, okay, well, this is going off to a good start then, because wait till there's wind. Like, you are going to love flying a kite when there is wind. Um, Because here's the thing, Uh, we need... Wind, if we're going to fly the kite, it's kind of the crucial, crucial thing. And in fact, the more wind, the better it is. Like the more you can fly that thing, the, it's just, that's, that's how it works. We're calling this morning more and more, as we look at this passage in First Thessalonians chapter 4, because we need more of something if we are going to continue on this mission God's called us to, if we're going to live out this living hope um, that we have in the Lord, we need more of something uh, as a church. And you might wonder, like, what is it that we need more of, right? Is it, do we need more people uh, to live out this mission? Do we need more money, more resources? Do we need uh, more ideas? Do we need more creativity? What is it that we need more of? Uh, let me just give it to you right off the bat. What we need more of, if we're going to continue in this living hope that God's called us to, is we need more of love Uh, amongst one another. We need more love here in this place. This is exactly what Paul is talking about here. Let me read the passage and then we're going to kind of walk our way through it. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, it says this, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. And we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. See, Paul in this passage is introducing a new topic, right? Now concerning, new topic, brotherly love. This is the idea of the love that you and I have between one another here in the church. And what Paul is saying here is that if we are going to continue on mission, if we're gonna continue to to chase after and hold on to this living hope that we've been given in Jesus Christ, one of the things that's going to put wind behind that, that's going to carry this thing forward, the thing that we need more and more of is brotherly love, this familial love in the family of God with one another another. And in giving this, there's sort of three must-haves, I'll call them, um, that we uh, have. See, we are all, I believe that we are all called to increase in our love for one another. We are called to increase in our love for one another. That's this more and more idea. But in order to increase our love for one another, there's three things that we must have if we are going to do it. Let me give you the first one. I encourage you to write this down if you're taking notes. It's this. In order to increase my love for others, I must first be taught by God. I must be taught by God. Let's look back again at verse 9. It says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need, to, uh, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Uh, Maybe we need to get a good definition here, what we're talking about when we talk about brotherly love. Uh, This is the translation of the Greek word, which maybe, can anyone uh, know some, like, uh, the brotherly love sort of Greek word that goes along with that? Anybody? You can say it. Phileo. Phileo, yeah. Philadelphia, if you've heard of that, right? It's a city of brotherly love. Right. This is kind of a word that we know. We don't throw the Greek around too often here, because um, you know it's not helpful to us if we don't speak Greek. But it's nice to know where this comes from. And this is the idea of brotherly love. Now, one interesting thing about this is pre-Christian writing, like pre-Christian literature. This word was only ever used. It wasn't super common word. It was fairly rare word. But this word was only ever used in uh, referring to familial relationships, like between brothers, sisters, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters, you know, that is the only place that we ever see this, this, this word used. So it was actually pretty unique, kind of a novel concept for Paul and some of the other New Testament writers, and, and uh, to, to use this word to refer to the family of God. It's like this this love that existed only within family, between brothers and sisters, family members, is now extended to what are, you know, in some ways strangers that are now brought into this family of God. So, this is the idea this idea of brotherly love, sisterly love for one another, familial love being extended uh, to this. And so, what we see is that this is for sure an area where growth was needed for the church. In Thessalonica, you know, in first read, you might read it like I did, and you see like this, like, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. You're like, winner. Like, we, we got this, right? We're crushing it in the loving department because no one needs to write to us. We've got this one down, check, right? Go on to the next thing. That's not what he's saying, though. Look what he says. He says, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, See, the point is this, is he says, listen, we are writing to you. I'm about to urge you to do it more and more, but ultimately, you don't need us to tell you. You don't need this letter to show you. What you really need is you need God to teach you how to love one another, and he has. He has taught you. He has modeled it for you. He has given you the example of love that you have for one another, because we have to understand this, church, is that God himself is the one who teaches us about love. Apart from God, there is no right understanding of what love is. We understand that God himself, he is the very definition of love. Like in his character, he is fully love. He's many other things, but he is love. And he shows that love to us. He teaches us that love. We see this in 1 John. We'll put it on the screen for you because you can see it. But 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 9 say this: Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God or does not love, does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And so you and I, when we love, we love because we know God. And if we don't love, we don't know God because God is love. This is how we learn about love. It's from God himself. And this is such a good point to make on the heels of Easter weekend as we remembered Christ's death on the cross at Good Friday when we celebrated his resurrection on Easter Sunday. How fun was that? Like we had an amazing weekend. I love uh, saying though the week after Easter Sunday to just remind the church, hey, the grave is still empty this week right? And it still will be empty next week. But what we celebrated, what we remembered, what we focused on last week was this truth right here is that God made his love manifest among us in this, sending his only son into the world. You see, Jesus gave up his life, right? He, his sinless life paid for our sinful state, His, uh, he took our sins on himself, on the cross, paying that penalty of sin, which we are unable to do. And he gave to us his own righteousness. And that was all proved and accepted and validated when Jesus walked out of the grave and he raised to life. And so this is how we know the love of God. How do we know God loves us? Because he gave his son. He gave his only son for us that he would be able to redeem us and to make us new. This is how we learn love from God. And we need to understand this, that we need God to teach us love. This is not something that we can self-teach ourselves. We're not gonna arrive at this information all on our own. Let me illustrate it this way. When I was um, growing up in middle school and high school, I ran cross country. Um, Middle school sports are fantastic. If you're in middle school, enjoy that season and time. It's like it's just fun to play i didn't know much of what i was doing cuz i remember distinctly i did we we knew nothing about the concept really of warming up before you raced cuz there was one kid on our team and his dad i guess he ran in college or or i don't know it was like kind of pre-internet the internet was just kind of getting going you know um and so he he like he he knew some things about running and so he had his son like warming up and we used to always kind of like kind of Poke at that, because we're like, why is he running before we run? Like, don't you want to save it for the race? Because he was like, kind of, you know, get all sweaty. And we're like, what what are you doing, man? Like, save it for the race. Like, why why are you warming? And he's like, no, this is how you do it. You got to get warm. You got to get ready. And then when you go, you can actually compete. And we're like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, you know, our way of warming up was um, probably what my diet consisted of in middle school was like crunchy Cheetos, Twizzlers, and probably a Mountain Dew to like wash it all down. Like, that's what I was probably doing pre-race, getting ready for that. And so he's over there warming up and I'm just kind of following my own sort of method and thinking, and I'm not going to warm up. I'm going to save it all. For the race, and this is how I'm gonna do it. You see, but he had some outside source, he had, he had some instruction being given to them. He wasn't, he wasn't gonna arrive at that. We certainly didn't arrive at that on our own. We needed some coaching, we needed some help. Well, we have the opportunity here, as we talk about love, we we need to learn from the one who love flows from, right? Like we're not gonna get there on our own. If you ever took a class, uh, perhaps in, in college, like I did, where the professor wrote the textbook that you were using for the class, you know, there's like a different level of kind of like attention you had to give to that textbook, right? Because you're like, well, he wrote it. Like I better, I better listen to it. She's the one who put this all together. So I can't really critique this. I need to uh, listen and, and be here. Here's the thing. God is love. If we're going to know anything about love, if we want to love each other more, we need to know more of God's love for us. And so we need to saturate ourselves in this truth. This is why it's so good for us to come and to worship together in this place. To gather together and to worship is because it reminds us week after week of God's love for us, his care for us. He showed us his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We cannot get there on our own. So it begins with this. It begins by being taught of God. That's what the Thessalonians We're growing in. They've been taught by God to love one another. But he continues. Here's the second thing. The second must-have, if we're going to increase our love for one another, is this, is that we need to express love in practical ways. It's not just enough to know about love, but we actually have to love each other. And we need to do that increasingly. Look at verse 10. He says, for indeed, that indeed is what you are doing. You are showing this brotherly love to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, but... But here's the instruction. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. He says, listen, you are doing this. You are practically expressing love in your life to all of the believers, all of the brothers here in Macedonia. They're actually living out. And that's what we are about here at this church. We say all the time, we're not going after more information but we want to go after application. Every time we open our Bibles together on a Sunday morning, we're not just trying to get big heads, right? We want to have actually work out into the application of our weeks. It does you no good if you come here, sit, check the box, walk out, and forget what we're talking about and nothing changes this week. Week by week, we wanna submit ourselves to the teaching of God's word, his words for us, his instruction, his spirit's leading in all of this that we would apply that is what we are doing. But they're doing this. He says, you are indeed showing love to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. We don't have the details of how, although we can maybe make some guesses We've said before that Thessalonica was in a prominent place. It was on a port. There was you know, a major trade route that went right through there. And so um, hospitality was a huge thing. And so as believers, as Christian brothers and sisters were coming into town to do business, they were extending hospitality, I'm sure, to all the brothers in Macedonia. And they're opening up their homes and they're, they're showing them this hospitality and they're, they're showing their love in this way. We also have reason to believe that they were helping economically with some of the difficult times that the different churches and cities were facing. You see, if uh, we place this in the time that we think it is, there was a major famine happening. On top of that, uh, 2 Corinthians talks about how in Macedonia, the poverty was extreme. Like there was great economic needs and Thessalonica being in a place with some resources, with some wealth was able to help and to be able to give toward these things. And so they were doing this for all of the brothers, all of the believers in Macedonia. They were already doing it. But, but there's some practical ways that we can express our love. And I think there's three ways here that we see, three ways that um, we can uh, practically express our love right here from the text. You could write this sermon. This is right here uh, from this. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more And so what we need, practically, if we want to express our love in practical ways, we need more care, less complacency. We need more care, less complacency. Have you ever done this? Have you ever seen this in a relationship where you sort of fall into a rut, where you sort of rest on the things that have been done in the past, uh, the relationship as it stands to kind of carry that on? You know, that's one of the great things about long-lasting friendships, relationships, is that there is a history, there is a foundation to stand on, but if that's all that there is, it tends to drift apart. This even happens in marriage. If you tell your spouse, hey, I told you I loved you when we got married, you know, I'll let you know if it ever changes. I don't think that's going to go so well. There needs to be kind of this ongoing practical expression. So more care, less complacency. We need this in the church. We need this together. You see, this has been since the beginning, prayerfully, one of the marks that we have pursued as our church is to be a loving church. Hopefully, as I say that, you're not scratching your head and saying, really, I didn't get that. If you are, then we've got some work to do. We've always wanted to be a loving church. We close our services by saying you are loved, but here's the thing, that would be the worst way to close our services if that's the first time you've been expressed or told that. Hopefully as you come in you sense and see God's love at work here that we truly care about people. We are about the work of ministry toward people. People are the church. Like that without the people there is no church. This is what we are called to. So we are called to love one another. But here's the thing is we cannot just rest on where this has been and never and not pursue after it going forward. We certainly are not doing this perfectly, but hopefully increasingly and our prayer would be that this would continue to be a mark of our church, that we would continue to grow in our practical expression of love for one another. But let's be careful that we make, don't make this mistake. That is not a guarantee, okay? We can slap you our love on a bunch of things. That is not a guarantee that this will be a loving place and that we're gonna show love to one another. You see, we have a, a warning from the church in Ephesus Paul, in writing to the church in Ephesus in his letter to them, he comments on their love. Uh, Let me put it uh, up for you. It's uh, Ephesians 1, uh, verses 15 and 16. It says this, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and, see this, your love for all the saints, toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is one of the comments that Paul makes, one of the, the... Shining pieces about this church in Ephesus is their love toward all the saints. This is the reason that Paul is rejoicing for this church. Fast forward to when the church is written a letter in the book of Revelation. Remember those seven letters that went out to the churches, correcting, kind of saying things that needed to change or where they went off track? Well, the church of Ephesus is mentioned in one of those letters. One of those letters is written written to them. And it says this, Revelation 2 Beginning in verse two, it says this, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. These are all good things, right? The church in Ephesus is doing it in these areas. Check, check, check. They are Marking all of these boxes, these would all be boxes that we would want to check as a church, but there is a mark against them. Look at verse four, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. They were an unloving church. It probably started with a lack of understanding of God's love for them and loving God, and then it extended to one another. Their love faded. It went away. And so this would be the call that Paul is writing here to the church in Thessalonica. He says, listen, you're a young church, you're just getting started and you are already doing this, but we urge you to do this more and more. More care, less complacency. Don't rest on what has been done in the past. And so listen, this is going to be our attitude as a church is we want to take on and embrace and look for more and more ways that we can show love To one another. This is the first place that love is to be expressed right here, is within this church, with these relationships here. But on top of that, we have the opportunity to partner with others in the global church. And as um, God would work things out, as He so often does, um, we have an opportunity this morning to um, respond to an urgent ministry need. Some of you got the notification we sent out. We said we're going to be talking about an urgent need uh, this morning. This is it. This is where we have a chance to show more care, less complacency in something that's going on. Some of you have seen in the news over the last couple days uh, on the island of St. Vincent, there is a volcano on the north side of the island that has erupted. Um, If you don't know where St. Vincent is, that's okay. It's down in the Caribbean, one of the Caribbean islands. And uh, we have a partner church down there. Um, we were part of this network of churches called the High Point Send Network. They were part of planting us and we are partnering with them to plant in Monroe. And so these are a group of churches that we are in close relationship with and and working together in. And there are new and new opportunities, more and more opportunities kind of coming up. We're excited to tell you and unpack all the things that are kind of happening in this network. But through this network, there is a church that we have that we partner with there in St. Vincent, High Point St. Vincent, And tens of thousands of people have been displaced as cruise ships are evacuating residents and others and moving to the south to take refuge. And so uh, thankfully, uh, High Point St. Vincent, their church is there on the uh, south side of the island um, in the safe part, uh, sort of the safe zone, but the entire island is in disaster relief mode. And uh, I actually just got a text during um, this service uh, that says that the the island, uh, I think almost the entire island, if not the, the entirety, has actually lost power at this point. And so it is like disaster relief mode there. And so what is happening, because this church, uh, High Point St. Vincent, is in a safer area, they've been working around the clock to try and meet some growing needs, and we have an update from um, Pastor Al Blake, a good friend of ours. Um, My wife and I have spent time with him and his wife and and know them, and uh, we just want to share an update about what is happening uh, there right now. Take a look at this. An evacuation frenzy. That's what the government in the tiny Caribbean island of St. Vincent is saying tonight after two massive volcanic eruptions. A plume of
1: ash rose 50,000
0: feet high after the volcano rumbled a second time on Friday. Tens of thousands were evacuated with more than one third of the island restricted.
1: Hi everyone, I am Al Blake coming to you from St. Vincent. Our island is currently experiencing a volcanic eruption. The volcano has erupted explosively more than twice in the last 48 hours and is expected to erupt some more. This has caused over 5,000 persons, especially those situated in the designated red zone areas, to be displaced from their homes into shelters. There are currently 96 government shelters that are housing displaced persons and families. This comes with its challenges as we also navigate the pandemic. As a church, we want to continue to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to our nation, practically and tangibly. We have committed to oversee and provide care for 10 shelters. We appreciate your urgency in caring for us and our nation in this time. Walking in his strength, God bless you.
0: So here we find this island is now in one of the greatest times of need uh, that they've ever faced in in 100 years, and uh, there's an incredible opportunity for the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of this um, disaster. And as uh, Pastor Al mentioned, uh, they've been entrusted with the government to oversee and care for 10 of these emergency shelters, which is where we get to come in as a church and practically step in and help. Along with Pastors Al Church, as I mentioned, we are part of a network of churches that is seeking to encourage and support one another. um, And especially, especially when one of us is in need. So just over the last few days, this has all happened pretty quickly, um, but we have identified that uh, if we were to raise $50,000 together as a network of churches, um, that this would go a long ways to meet some of the immediate supply needs that they have. And so churches like ours all over the world this morning are joining together uh, in this effort. We have churches all across the uh, states that we partner with in this, and uh, we even have a church over um, in Romania um, that's partnering together in this And we feel like God is calling our church to participate in this. And what we're gonna do is we wanna commit to $2,000 and would ask for your help in that. And so would you uh, consider, uh, prayerfully consider, giving toward this today? And uh, you have the opportunity there. You can go to cityonahill.today to give toward the St. Vincent Relief. You'll see um, a button there, or you can use the Church Center app. But here's the deal. If we have just 50 families that give $40 Uh, this morning, that will meet our goal of $2,000. And again, it's being combined with all these other churches to be able to step in. And so I share all that to just say, listen, there is no lack of opportunity for more and more care, more and more love for one another. And so you don't have to give right this minute, um, but if you are going to give, I would ask that you do it today uh, so that we can communicate. This is, again, we're going to get this, um, the resources to them quickly so that they can uh, begin to move. They've already started. They've gathered, uh, started gathering supplies. I mean, Pastor Al's been texting us with updates throughout uh, the weekend. I mean, ash is just everywhere, and it is just um, chaos. I can't imagine now that the power's out how much more that is um, adding to it. And so we have a real chance to help our brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, to be able to uh, reach those that are in need um, through that way. So would you consider giving toward that? But here's the deal. That is just one way, right? One way that we can show more care, less complacency toward uh, the church, that we are a part of this network of believers, that we are a part of this is what we are called to do. That's one way. Here's the second way that we increase in our practical application and practical uh, love is uh, more prayer, less chatter. More prayer, less chatter. Uh, This comes straight from verse 11, look at that there. It says, and and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. You see, what what seems to be happening in the church in Thessalonica is that there was a growing fascination with the affairs of others. And this was leading to uh, gossip and slander and one of the reasons that we might point to is that is there seems to be some idleness in the church. Where do I get that from? Well, in Paul's second letter to the church in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, it says, for we hear that some among you are walking in idleness and not being busy at work, but busy bodies. So not busy working, just being busy bodies. Uh, now, such persons, we commend and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and to earn their own living Again, we, we don't have all the details there. One might guess that um, you know, we're about to get into some sort of end times type stuff, like Jesus coming back with the return of Christ. I think some of them in the church thought that that was imminent. And what that meant is that they could just quit working. right? Jesus is coming back. I don't need my job. The church is gonna take care of me. And so I'm just going to kind of coast from here on out. And what was, that was resulting in is that they weren't very busy. They were just idle. And with all their idle time, they were chattering they were just being busybodies they were getting into meddling with each other's affairs and sort of all up in each other's business could you imagine if social media was around how much more so that would have been amplified right like we get to see everybody's business and kind of what's going on and here's what that leads to unfortunately even within the church is it leads to this chatter right at leads to this chatter, this talking, this, hey, did you hear, what about this? Or this happened to me, did you hear about this? Can I tell you something? I just, I just need, you know, I need some prayer in this, right? That's how we do it. We kind of mask it, it's a prayer request, but, right? And so there's, there's this chatter, and here's what I think we need to do. Prayer's not specifically mentioned in this passage, but I think that's the right response. In living quietly, in minding our own affairs, I think what we need to do is respond in prayer. Instead of talking to others about it, why don't we talk to the one who can do something about it? Why don't we talk to God himself? You know, this is for us a value as our, at our church. We don't want to talk about people. We wanna to talk to people. And so I would just say this, if there's ever anything, and there will be, that ever comes up and you have some issue, some toes got stepped on, some wires got crossed, some you know feelings got hurt, whatever, that you would go to the person and that you would talk to them about it, right? We don't talk about people, we talk to people. And when we talk about it, we need to forgive, We need to respond with grace. We need to respond with gentleness. Listen, we we said it before, but there are no enduring relationships without forgiveness, right? We are not going to be able to make it as a church family if we are not able to forgive, because it's not a matter of if we're going to hurt each other, it's when. When we hurt each other, how will we respond? So many times today, it's just so common. You can go, there are many other great churches in this city. You can pack up, you can go. There's another church you could find. For sure you can. It's not a matter of if you can go to church somewhere else. Actually, it's as easy now as just kind of like logging off and logging on. And, and it's, it's like never been easier to sort of switch. But that's not what we're called to. We're called to endure in relationships with one another. And so we want to show grace. We want to walk through. We want to do this. And so less prayer, more chatter. Aspire to live quietly. Mind your own affairs. We care for each other, but we don't talk about each other. Part of that comes from too much time, too much time. Here's the third way. The third way that we practically express love is um, this, is more, um, uh, more investment, less idleness. More investment, less idleness. See, again, I think it was some of these idleness is what was happening here. Look at uh, the second part of that, verse 11. It says, and to work with your own hands as we instructed you. Get busy, get to work. 1 Thessalonians chapter three, it says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. The idea here is, is, is he's not talking about ability to work. He's talking about willingness to work. There's a difference. Let's be clear on that. Paul's not calling out those who could not work through lack of opportunity or perhaps through some sort of physical impairment or something that's going to keep them from doing that. Some of you might be in that place. You're unable to work right now, so you need some assistance. You need some help. That's good. All right? The church is to engage in that. Uh, St. Vincent right now is not able to do what they're doing on their own. They need some help right now, and so we want to give some help in these things. So not unwilling to work or rather unable to work, but rather unwilling to work is who he is talking about. And he says, listen, work with your hands. We already told you this. See, we instructed you in this. What was happening is clearly there were some in the church that were exploiting the generosity of the church and taking advantage. There were freeloaders. They were just sort of along for the ride, right? And again, if Jesus is coming back, why would I need to work? If you're gonna give me food, why do I need to work? And so they're just kind of, they're coasting this way. And so that's not what we're called to do. We're called to pick up our tools, use our hands and get to work, invest in this thing together. He's made it super, super clear in that. And so I would just say this for us, for our church is, how are we investing into what God is doing here together? Right? Right? And if you're uh, new and checking us out, that's okay. You have some time. You can take some while. But once this is your church home, if you're like, no, I'm here. This is my church family. I wanna be a part of this. Then the way that you are a part of it is you begin then to invest. And you do that through relationships. It begins by just caring for one another. It begins by using the gifts and the resources and the skills and whatever God's given you for his mission here together with this church family. It's an investment We're all in this together. We wanna be a church where it is all hands on deck, right? We are all in this together. And you might be in a season of life that you're like, I don't know if I have much to give. That's okay, that's why the church is here. We wanna invest in you, right? That's, it's not unable, it's unwilling. Are you willing to give? Are you able to give? If you can, then let's go for it, let's do it. More investment, less idleness. This is how practically this worked out. You know, even in the investment, I would say this, Investing in the relationship can look as simple as just being an encouragement to one another. You know, we need encouragement. It is hard. Life is hard. It takes its toll. And so would we be encouraging to each other? My wife reminded me that this morning. She's like, you know what? One simple way, we can just encourage each other. I'm like, thank you. I need that, right? She's constantly telling me that. She's like, encourage more, encourage more. I'm like, on to the next thing, right? I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go. Listen, I need this as much as everybody. We need to encourage one another, in this. And here's the third thing. The third way that we increase our love for one another is this, is a must-have, is that we need to remember that the world is watching. Remember that the world is watching. Verse 12, so that you may walk properly before outsiders. This is a summary sort of purpose statement back to all of this. So concerning brotherly love, right? We urge you more and more so that You may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. We need to remember that the world is watching. And listen, church, we have not always done a great job. The church has not always done a great job of displaying the love of Christ for the watching world. See, God's people have always been called to be set apart from the world, That's how it began with his people, right? He gave them a special law, a special command, special um, kind of calling on their life. They were set apart and they were meant to be a display of God's love. this, This unique civilization, this unique community living together in this, but that is not what we do sometimes. Sometimes the church acts in such a way that leaves a black eye on the bride of Christ, right? It's a shame when internal conflict within the church leads to an external disdain by those who are watching. If there is brotherly love, then it will be full display for the love of God for those outside to be able to see. And you might read that and you're like, wait, I don't know if I love that word outsider. What does that mean? I don't know about this inside outside language. Well, the New Testament is super comfortable with that language. Jesus used that language, this inside outside. Let's be clear what we mean about that. When we're talking about those who are inside the church, it's those that have embraced Jesus as Lord, right? That would be hopefully all of us Or maybe you increasingly, if you're checking it out and thinking about it, that this would be the invitation is that you would embrace Jesus as Lord. We make no no apologies for that. That is what God has called us to do is to follow him and trust and believe in him that we might be saved. And in doing so, we are brought in. But none of us, none of us on the inside can say that we have done anything to achieve that. That it's up to me, and I was the one who chose, and I got inside, and I did that. So, this isn't something that we boast in. Rather, we boast in Christ and what He has done, and we extend that invitation to all, right? Anyone outside, we would want inside. If you're outside today, you're welcome inside. Come into the family of God, He's made a way. His name is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way that the outside comes inside. And so before outsiders, we are displaying our love on full display so that we would be able to point to and show the immeasurable love of our God. Listen, this should weigh heavy on us in a good way, right? In a good way. We should feel the weight of this, that we represent Christ's love to the world. How are we doing our interactions together indicative of Christ's love for us? Do we express that clearly? Do people see Christ's love in us? What about the different spheres and opportunities that we have? Does that happen, you know, on the back deck with your neighbors? Does that happen at the park, with your kids' friends? Does that happen in the school pickup line? Does that happen at the workplace? There's still the water coolers. Does that happen around the water cooler? Is that still a thing? I don't know. Everyone's got their own, their own bottle and, and special water that they're bringing, whatever it is. I don't know. Is that happening? Are we doing this? Are we engaging in this? Are we displaying Christ's love to one another that others can see? Listen, we should feel this way, that the world is watching so that you would walk properly before outsiders, dependent on no one. In the same way that the holiness found in sexual purity distinguished the Thessalonian church from the Gentiles, so does the self-sufficient working and loving of each other. It distinguishes from the watching world. And so what I would love to do is just kind of bring this full circle and just remind us of where we started. Because at this point, maybe you're starting to feel like, okay, my backpack just got a little heavier, right? I talk about that all the time. I don't want to put another brick in the backpack. Your backpack already has enough bricks in it. But let me just remind us where we began. What was the first point, the first way that we increase our love? It's this, is that we are taught by God. He's the one that's gonna to have to get this done in our hearts. And so if you're feeling this, you're kind of seeing this, you're like, man, I don't know how I'm practically loving. I don't know how I'm showing this. I don't know, you know where this is and seeing this increasing in my life, then I would just point you back toward the love of Christ that we would saturate ourselves, remind ourselves of just how loving God has been. And we would ask him, God, would you teach me? Would you teach me to love how you have? Would you give me the care and compassion that you have? Allow me to see others in this. See, we need God to do this work in our hearts. We can't get there on our own remember? So this isn't a do better sermon. This isn't a try harder sermon. We don't do those here. This is a believe more in God's grace and work in your life and allow him to work through you. This is how we love each other better. And I think that, man, if we can get this down, if we can, you know, the more and more love Behind us, right? Then the mission that we've been called to, this this holding on to this living hope, now all of a sudden we've got some wind to work with and we can do the things that God has called us to do. This loving one another will fuel the mission that he's called us to. And so listen, church, let's get after it. Let's love one another well. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your perfect love. God, we thank you for the example on full display of your love for us in the cross of Christ. Jesus, we've done nothing to earn that. Uh, We've done nothing uh, to earn our place inside your family, but yet that's where you've welcomed us freely to be, God, in your grace and in your lavish love upon us. And so God, I just pray that we would remember and think about that. Lord, that we would turn to you, that we would allow you to open up our hearts to love others well. God, that we would express that same love that you've given to us, to those around us. Would it start in our families? Would it extend to our church family? And then would it move outside of the walls of this church to those around us? God, would we do well to love the household of believers? Lord, we want to show this love, this familial love, this brotherly love, this sisterly love toward one another. God, help us to do this. We need your help. We ask you in the name of your son, Jesus, amen.